2: PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So to start, what the hell is cake sitting anyways? I think people hear that and they're like, what does that even mean? So how do you mm. define cake sitting?
1: Well, it's funny because when people ask that question, I'm like, isn't it in, in the term? <laughs> right. um, like it is, it's a super simple act. It's exactly what it is. Cake sitting is sitting on a cake.
2: I'm Noah Michelson, and this is D is for Desire, the podcast where we look at love and sex from angles you could have never imagined in health class. It's our chance to explore the sticky questions we have about desire secretly lurking in our heads, or our hearts, or even in our pants. Few things honor the mission of this show quite like kink does. The dictionary definition of kink is an unconventional sexual taste or behavior but also a clever and unusual way of doing something. Now, unusual is a given. It's central to how we think about kink. We've all come across some sexual interests we've never heard of before, right? Like, who knew that spectrophilia is enjoying sex with ghosts? Or that having sex with ghosts is even possible? But kink is clever. A clever way of doing something. Now that is interesting. And it actually rounds out the definition, brings it into the world a bit. Because when you think about it, kink, and the art of satiating it, is clever. Behind every interest in feet or leather or latex or furries, there's someone performing it with you or for you, often on the internet, where there's a corner for everything and someone strategically decorating it with your desires. But how does that person do it? And what can they teach us about the nuances of our turn-ons? For this episode, I got a view from the other side of the chat room with one such person. The voice you heard at the top.
1: My name is Lindsay Dye, and I'm a cam girl, cake sitter, sex worker, artist. I have a lot of jobs.
2: And one of those jobs, cake sitting, is in fact sitting on cakes. Sexually.
1: Now I have a particular way of doing it. I have my own style. It's evolved over time. But cake sitting is exactly that, the act of sitting on a cake.
2: Now, before you pause and say, Noah, this doesn't sound like a kink. It just sounds like a waste of a perfectly good dessert. You should know that Lindsay's origin story with cake sitting comes from a pretty thought out place. It's actually kind of dark.
1: So I've been a cam girl since 2013, 2014. I think it's almost seven years now. Of course, every day I'm asked and requested uh, to do all types of sexual acts in my chat room. And the most disturbing request that I received is what led me to cake sitting. Mm -hmm. So the request was, um, can you sit on your cat and suffocate your cat? And now I'm I'm a very open-minded person. I do not judge people's kinks and fetishes. Of course I didn't do it, mm-hmm. but I was like, I was interested in, is this a troll or is this an actual fetish that I can figure out and delve into and somehow satisfy this person without sacrificing my own beloved pet? Obviously. So I started researching, okay, animal-crushing, animal-suffocating fetishes. And within crushing fetishes, which is a very real fetish just called crush. um, Where people... Either stomp or sit on or in some way... Suffocate or kill an animal for someone else's sexual pleasure. Uh Within that, I found lightness and beauty. And that's kind of what I was searching for. I'm like, this can't all be dark. This can't just be coming from a disturbing place. There has to be something else to this. So there's a crossover between crushing. And another fetish called splashing. And splashing is also called wet and messy play. And the crossover is food. So you can play with food in a messy way. You can also crush food. I was finding women covering themselves in baked beans Mm -hmm. and whipped cream and pieing each other, slime, all of these different liquids. There was something about cake that was very sculptural to me, and I'm coming from an art background. I studied photography for seven years. I moved into sculpture and new form type of art when I was in grad school. There was something about the cake where I can build this object and destroy this object. There was this full circle element to it that was really satisfying.
2: Like creation and destruction.
1: Birthing and destroying. All existing in one, yeah. And not just that, the attachment that everyone has to cake, I don't know if that's necessarily present in the fetish itself, but it is. It's something from our childhood. Mm. It's also something that we bring into adulthood it straddles our entire lives it marks celebratory moments mm-hmm. there's something about doing something you're not supposed to be doing to an object that people are are using for ritualistic purposes
2: right. you know and there's a certain innocence i think to cake too absolutely yeah yeah and, and so in some ways you're subverting that by mm-hmm. doing this mm-hmm.
1: So every cam girl has a topic. Your topic is your countdown. It's the things you're willing to do. So you have a goal amount. You have your tip menu. So spanks are 50 tokens. Solo masturbation play is 200 tokens. And all of those tips are going towards your main goal. So my main goal would be, I'm gonna sit on this cake. Got it. But I'll do all of these little acts before we get there to keep everyone engaged, to keep the countdown rolling.
2: So it's like foreplay.
1: Yeah, totally.
2: And so people pay to buy these tokens. It's like mm-hmm. going to Chuck E. Cheese kind uh, of in absolutely, a way. Yeah. yeah. How does that work? How much is a token? How mm-hmm. many tokens are you getting? And how much could you get from a session? Mm-hmm.
1: So tokens themselves to every cam girl are worth five cents for one token. What you set your goal to be is up to you, um, but there's such a misconception of, that we're making a lot of money because someone tips a hundred tokens. Right. That feels like a hundred dollars. A hundred tokens is five dollars. Right. So the prices look really high. Like my countdown for a cake sitting will be two to three thousand tokens. That's a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars. It's not what you're seeing, but I think the larger numbers keep people engaged. The The sound that it makes when I get tipped, it's like this twinkle sound that everyone can hear. It's
2: like a video game or like it is. Candy Crush. Yes, exactly.
1: It lights your screen up bright yellow, but I'm constantly doing math on a calculator next to my computer. It's five cents times whatever amount of tokens, and I'm like, okay, 25 cents. Awesome. Let's keep
2: it moving. Keep it coming. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll bake in my bed. So you'll tip me to crack the eggs to stir the batter. Oh, wow. Um, If you want to follow me into the kitchen, I can make that happen. But also... Since this is a fetish that I'm kind of putting onto them and no one's actually asking for it, Mm. I'm I'm kind of doing the regular tease game, stripping, flashing. And once we make it there, I put a tarp over my bed, Mm -hmm. I tape it down, I get the cake ready. And I don't consider my camming performance art, but I do like to make it an elaborate performance because People are tuning in. They're showing up. They're engaging with me. I want to give them a show.
2: Is it one-on-one or can it be a lot of people?
1: It's a public chat room, so it can. I can have a bad day and there can be 10 people watching me. I can have a great day and there can be thousands of people watching wow. me, but also that doesn't mean I'm getting tipped every second. Just because there's a thousand people in the room doesn't mean I'm making money. I might be making more money with 10 people in the room.
2: Right.
1: It's very, Camming is very much a waiting game. You're waiting for the right person at the right time to come in with the right amount of money.
2: So people can watch you for free, Yes. but then people decide if they want to tip you.
1: It's a pay to play type game.
2: Talk to me more about the cake itself. Mm-hmm. So you make the cakes.
1: Yes. And and that evolved. It didn't start with me making them. You used
2: to buy them. Yes.
1: And there was something missing when I would buy them. Like they they were not colorful enough. They lacked the care that I wanted to see in them. They were minimal. They didn't have mm. enough for me to work with. And it is so important for me to make them. Also, just to legitimize my art practice. Like, it's not just a performance. I'm making temporary sculptures. Mm -hmm. I have a sketchbook full of the cakes, how I want them to look. I map it out. You know, they do not end up looking like my sketches, Mm -hmm. like with any art piece. It's more fluid than that. And I kind of go where it takes me. But they've become very elaborate. Cherries are very important. I've started using
2: fruit. And is that just to add? This is going to sound stupid. Mm-hmm. Texture? I mean, I'm assuming the flavor doesn't really matter, no, right? No, the, the
1: flavor doesn't matter, and I've never, ever tasted one. I do not want to. I see what goes into them. I don't understand why people eat cake in the first place. <laughs> you don't
2: even like cake. I do
1: not. Oh, that's no.
2: hilarious. What makes a good cake-sitting cake? Um, the ones I've seen... They're, they're kind of like towering. Yes. They're sort of almost gaudy colors. Yes. How do you go about creating them?
1: So I'm up to like seven or eight layers now. That's wow. That's what I need. That's what I learned that I need to cover my whole body. And that's that's also evolved. I used to just do the sitting and that's it. It would get on my butt. Now I'm going for full body coverage and this more tactile, visceral experience.
2: And what are you wearing when this is happening?
1: What I'm wearing all the time, they're called slingshot bikinis. Mm. So they're covering my crotch, they cover my tits, but my back and my butt are very exposed. And I normally try to match them to the color of the cake or however I'm decorating. I always have in a long ponytail. I do my makeup very elaborate. Um, I'm wearing stripper heels. And this is all coming from the time that I've spent as a sex worker. I was a stripper. I have been an escort. I wanted to bring those experiences that I had into my chat room and mix everything together, everything that I've learned, everything that I've experienced. I'm one person, but I'm an amalgamation of all these jobs. Yeah. One element that I've brought into it that I think is really important Because you can find cake sitting elsewhere, I wanted to make my cake sitting different. Mm -hmm. So I have a wireless mic and I turn on a sad love song and I'm singing like old school R&B while I'm sitting on the cake. And it was important for me to do that because I didn't want this to be not only something that you could find somewhere else, but... I didn't want the expected experience. Like, obviously, this is sexual. I'm a woman, the female body. Okay, that's to be expected. Like, this might turn me on. I, I wanted emotions confused. I wanted other elements present for you to consider what you're watching in a different way and to confuse emotions a little bit and have a little bit of, otherworldliness and, like, wondering there, as opposed to this straightforward, simple act. Do you have a typical client?
2: Or is would you say your audience, especially when you're camming, there's a mm-hmm. certain kind of person who's watching?
1: The site that I work for is women only as far as performers.
0: Okay,
1: I chose that site because it was one of the most popular sites six or seven years ago when i started so it is very much hetero straight cis men which i find is kind of who i make work for Mm -hmm. which is strange because i'm a queer woman and like when i enter the room i'm not any less of a feminist than i am sitting here right now I like to think that I'm teaching them something and opening their minds to something, and they know that I'm an educated woman and I am here by choice. And I think that is impactful in a room full of men <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. who are showing up to objectify you, exactly. And pay yeah, you for that. Yeah, and it's interesting too because we've come to a place now, sort of in, in history, where. Pornography is not just about or sex work is not just about being a one way thing where you can actually establish a relationship with these people and they get to know you as Lindsay. And that's why they keep showing up. Like you said, maybe it's not to watch you sit on the cake per se, but it's because they feel like they know you. Maybe they feel like they're safe with you. Mm -hmm. And that's as much of a turn on, I think, is seeing you naked.
1: It's intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much trust and support. And like I've negotiated these relationships. I'm there because the relationships are mutual. And the the stereotypes of clientele still that I see like in the media and on television are always of like a sweaty dude in a basement. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it is. <laughs> like right. these are everyday people that you see on the street Like, anywhere from college dudes to grandpas and everyone in between. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not one type of person that likes porn. Everyone likes porn. I think we all know that.
2: Right. What percentage of the people who are watching you cam would you say are there for the sploshing or or, or for the fetish itself? Zero
1: to one percent.
2: So most of them are just there because they think you're hot and they want to...
1: That and... I've been doing this so long, I have a hardcore group of regulars who supports me as an artist. They want to see me thrive. Lindsay wants to do this. We're going to support her doing this, whether it turns us on or not, which is the sweet part about it. Like, they're good people in there.
2: Yeah. What kind of emotions does your job elicit from you, if any? I mean, this Mm. is obviously erotic for the people watching. Is it erotic for you or
1: I'm a genuine, honest person. I am not acting when I go in there. If I'm having an orgasm, I'm having an orgasm. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not faking anything, you know? This is... As much as they want it to be real, I want it to be real. Uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to do it every day.
2: Right. It's interesting when you brought up the word intimacy because I think that's so true. I think that we can get porn anywhere now. Yeah. Um, In the worst ways, too. Yeah, more than ever. But I think the thing that people can't get is that connection, that intimacy. And Mm -hmm. so I can see how that would really be alluring for people and to feel like they can do it with someone they feel safe with.
1: Yes. And that they can remain anonymous and faceless and um, kind of work their way up to a relationship. Like I might have not seen a person I was engaging with for a year, but then they finally show me themselves like, you know, that's like that's building up confidence in themselves Mm -hmm. and that feels really special that I get to be a part of their own not just sexual journey but like social journey
2: you know because it's
1: very much a social interaction sometimes I don't even sign on to be uh, to masturbate or give them a show like I just want to talk and like tell them about my day and they care because as much as I'm there for them every day. They're there for me every day.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, people tip for things like that. Well, people spend tokens to watch you do things that aren't necessarily sexual or just You'd be talk? surprised
1: the things they tip for. The J train goes past my bedroom window. They tip for the train. Really? Yeah. They tip when my cat comes on camera. They're, they're the sweetest things that they will tip for. And those are the best tips when not only do I not have to do anything, when it's like, this is just for you being here.
2: Uh-huh. For you being you. Mm-hmm. After the break, we step out of the chat room with Lindsay Dye, cake sitter, sex worker, and live performance artist,
0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Okay, we're back. And I just want to zoom out a bit before we continue. Let's go back to that definition of kink we mentioned at the top. Kink is a quote-unquote unusual way of doing something. And culturally speaking, when it comes to sex, the unusual can go hand-in-hand with shame. Maybe your particular thing looks like danger, or sin, or fucked uppery, even if it's not. Maybe you express this thing only to be called kinky and shame for expressing it, as if we don't all have particular and maybe unexpected stuff we're into. Sometimes it's easier to lock desire away in our computers, our minds, or our hearts. How many of our turn-ons have actually left our search bars? Left our lips? And what happens when we do share them? Lindsay's work gets to the heart of this when she takes her camming offline. She actually performs cake-sitting at events and art galleries with crowds of people watching her performance together. I wanted to know more about this and how she juggles her work in art. I started by asking about the differences between a cake sitting in the chat room and a cake sitting in person. The
1: biggest difference in terms of senses is smell. Mm. So when I'm performing in my chat room, there's there's a barrier, there's a divide. When I'm in a gallery, a venue, the smell penetrates. It is buttery. It is sugary. It hits people in the face and it really works and it really brings you in.
2: It's visceral. Yes,
1: absolutely. You
2: suddenly are much more part of that. Yes. For the performance of it, it must be different to have people five feet away from you rather than thousands of miles away. What is that experience like to perform this act with people right there?
1: Right. So one similarity is that my back is always towards the audience, like whether I'm in the chat room where I can't see people anyway.
2: Because you want them to be seeing your ass sit on the cake. That's the shot that people are going to get. Yes. So you're not even facing them.
1: That and I'm I'm very much mimicking what I do in my chat room. I want it to be a private experience in a public space. And that was one of the most important elements to me is... The subversion of fetish. Fetishes are supposed to be private. I'm bringing this into a public space where it's not supposed to be seen. Another difference is there is cheering. There is clapping. There are people that are crying. I am experiencing actual emotion from other people that I find very satisfying as an artist because I I don't get that in the chat room only through text. But to hear it is, you know, it it gives me goosebumps in a different way than reading something does.
2: Talk about people crying because Mm -hmm. I think people would think of this as sort of like a purely erotic experience. Right. So how do these other emotions for lack of a better term, get baked into the experience?
1: <clears throat> well, so that's where the music comes in. And the very specific performance I'm talking about where there were people crying, I was singing a song by the Antlers called Putting the Dog to Sleep. Mm. And it's about the ending of a relationship and the cake became symbolism for something else entirely because of the music that was playing. Prove to me And also in that performance, I had a woman who's a stripper holding the mic for me. So you also see this woman towering above me. I'm singing into her crotch about the ending of, like, a toxic relationship. And there was an emotional tie there. That's what I want. I don't want the expected. Like, that's easy. It's so easy to be sexy. It's a lot harder to... Touch someone's heart. I feel like you know
2: what is off limits, both in camming but also in real performances. I think people hear sex work still, and mm-hmm. they think you're having sex with people. Uh, do you have sex with people? What won't you do?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so mm, I, I kind of I separate my jobs. So I have my camming job. I'm a cam girl. I do the cake sitting performances. IRL, I very much feel like those are my art performances. Mm-hmm. I do do escorting and have sex with people, and that's that job. Can you approach me while I'm in any of these jobs and ask me about the other job and if you can participate with me in those? Yes, there's crossover, right. sure. Right. Do I have boundaries and limits? Especially with camming, I do. There are many things that I won't do because I don't feel like I do them well. Mm. Small penis humiliation. I can't do because I feel like I'm making someone feel bad. I'm not good at being mean to someone. I'm not a dominatrix. So, like, I want to be good at my job. And it's not because... I'm judging the fetish or whatever it is that turns you on. It's I know what I'm good at.
2: Yeah. If you need that, maybe you should try someone else who actually is good at that. Exactly. Yes. Right. But I would imagine, like, let's say you're performing in a venue. Mm -hmm. People should not come up and touch you.
1: No. And I've had to learn that i need security at every venue like things have happened where i wasn't safe and didn't feel safe and continued to perform camming i feel 100% safe i'm in my bedroom i use a different name like there's no reason for me to feel unsafe and i i think i brought that mentality with me into public spaces mm-hmm. so people have touched me they have like rushed onto the stage and like try to be involved in the performance in a way that I did not want them to be. And I expected there to be this barrier that I had while I'm camming. So that's very much something that I negotiate with whoever is booking me now. Mm -hmm. I need security, I need people to know that they have to have distance from me, and I am not there to be touched. I am there as an artist doing a performance, yeah.
2: What about some of the other pitfalls of cake sitting? I would imagine, Mm. like, yeast infections Mm. or UTIs or, you know.
1: no yeast infections, but yes, I have had probably, like, the maximum amount of UTIs a woman could have. (laughs) Um, To the point where my doctor was like, what's really going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you can't keep taking these antibiotics.
2: Is there a way to sort of prevent that or is it just part of the the call of duty.
1: I think it's just a part of it. And there's more that I can do beforehand, like drinking cranberry juice and letting venues know, like, I need an Uber waiting for me outside so that mm. I can get home ASAP. Or, you know, the nicer venues have showers and I get to shower right after. The biggest thing that's happened that's affected my cake sitting I broke my tailbone. I fell down subway stairs. <sighs> and I was like, the universe just fucked with me. Right. This is my livelihood. Right. My ass is how I make money. What am I supposed to do? How
2: do I do cake sitting with a broken ass? Yes, so yes. So what did you do?
1: So I didn't perform for maybe three months, but I still had to cam. And I very much like in my topic in my countdown. I was honest. My tailbone is broken. Mm. I accepted any pity tips that were thrown at me, and I was able to stay alive during that time, like laying on my side in my bed, and uh, people just kind of helping me through it. Right, because there's no workman's
2: comp. <laughs> no, there's when not. You're a cake there's sitter. no
1: health insurance. There's no benefits to be like y- you got to get yeah. up every day and do it. Yeah. I cam every day and that is not just for the money, that is to maintain my audience. Whether it's going to be an hour or 8 hours that I try to do every day, I I know I'm going to make the money I need to make because I've been doing this for so long, I can kind of calculate it. But Camming every day, number one.
2: To maintain those relationships. Exactly,
1: yes. And if I'm gone for a day, I feel guilty. And I wonder, oh my gosh, does this person need me? What are they doing? Did they expect me to be on? I feel obligated, but I feel obligated in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like It's my job, I care about these people. I know that I work. Camming is not easy. Sometimes you don't make any money. Mm. Sometimes you do. It's it's more pressure than a nine to five. No one's telling you to sign on and no one's telling you that you're doing a good job either. Self-employed people, especially sex workers, I think work double time to make sure that they're making their money, but also just to... Legitimize themselves in their own head, you Mm -hmm. know?
2: You've got merch now too. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about like some of the messages on the t shirts that you're selling and and how those came about.
1: So, the Cam Girl resume shirts, um, I had a salary job before I became a Cam Girl, and it was my best paying big girl job I ever had. And I was harassed by my boss. I reported this to Human Resources. They did nothing and said, we'll investigate, but you still have to work with him.
2: Mm.
1: My thought was, if I'm going to be harassed and or assaulted or sexualized in the workplace, I'm going to make sure that I'm the boss Mm -hmm. and that it is a mutual setting where everyone's okay with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought me to camming. I have autonomy. I get to say yes or no. I make the rules. So with that comes this idea of you're going to have a gap in employment if you become a sex worker, cam girl. How, if you get a real job, in quotes again, uh, what are you going to tell people you did for these years? Or So the cam girl resume shirts. It's was like, no, I work on these websites. I want to make a very literal resume of where I've worked and I want to take pride in it too. And I want other women to wear them. I want men to wear them Mm -hmm. to not only show the sites that you can work on that are more supportive and a better way to find pornography than your average tube site, but also, cam sites don't have merch. Sex workers don't have uniforms or kind of like a legit wardrobe, nor is there merch for fans or supporters. So the camgirl resume shirts were this uniform slash resume slash wear this to support pornography wardrobe.
2: I love that about you in general, though, because I think Part of the reason that I wanted to do this podcast in general, too, is like to destigmatize the idea of sex Mm -hmm. and whatever people want to do. As long as people are consenting, no one's getting hurt unless they want to get hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's really a part of what you're trying to do as well. Obviously, people are getting turned on. People are getting off. Mm -hmm. You're making art. Mm -hmm. But you're also talking about sex positivity and trying to take this taboo and the shame and shine a light at it and say, it doesn't have to be this way.
1: Right. Like, I care about people. I want people to feel good. And I don't want anyone to feel like they're less than because of their job. And on the flip side, the clientele, I don't want them to feel less than because of what they like or turned on by. I think that's where a lot of my art ends up. Like, I'm an artist who went to school who's constantly having to fight or tell people like I'm not just an artist I'm a sex worker I'm not just a sex worker I'm an artist Mm -hmm. and I kind of just like say to myself like keep it moving this is your life like this is my every day you know what I mean
2: and you're really fucking good at it thank you (laughs) (laughs) let's not forget that yeah but it has been an evolution it has been a journey Mm -hmm. so when you think about like, I always hate that stupid question in job interviews where, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Mm-hmm. But where do you see yourself and where do you see your cake sitting in five years? What's the next sort of incarnation of mm-hmm. Lindsay Dye?
1: I very much want to move on. You know, artists have different periods and I I want this period to end And I want to move on to something else. But in the same way that I could have never called it that I'd be cake sitting and making money from it and like paying rent with my cake money, Mm. I could not predict what the next thing I would do would be. I will say I have ventured into other forms of splashing and am now working with slime and want to see where that goes I want to try other fetishes that are normally seen in private and act them out in public spaces. That's in the lineage of my work, bringing something that is pornographic into an art space and bringing art into a porn space. I very much find that a a circular, satisfying realm for me to be in, but I... I couldn't even call it. I, don't, I know that I'll always be an artist. I know that I'll always be a sex worker. I know that my job will always inform my work.
2: For as many categories of kink as we hear about, there are folks logging on, pressing play, performing, entering a gallery, getting hot, getting off, crying, or maybe feeling nothing at all. Desire takes many forms from the desire to watch someone sit on a cake to the desire to sit on that cake and not only make money, but also make art and do it on your own terms. And sometimes sex is a humble chat room filled with a big pile of sugar and butter. So dig around, find what you want, wherever you can find it. Because if you're open-minded and open-hearted, you can have your cake and eat it or sit on it and not have to be ashamed that you made a big, beautiful, sexy mess. D is for Desire is produced and edited by Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, Becca DiGregorio, and me, Noah Michelson. Until next time, remember, it's not taboo if it turns you on.